Hey guys, it's Mackenzie, and this is episode 11. Melissa came to me and said that she had a story she wanted to share about postpartum depression. And Melissa started telling me her story. And in the story, I realized that for two years, Melissa struggled with postpartum depression. She struggled with not feeling like herself, intrusive thoughts, insomnia, fears. She missed two joyful years of life with her child because she struggled so bad. And truth be told, Melissa and I worked in the same building and I had no idea. There were people around Melissa that didn't know. But finally, one day this year, Melissa spoke up and she said she was not okay. And a coworker, a friend, stood beside her until she got help. Of course, Melissa's husband and family were there too, supporting her along the way in the journey. But we work with our coworkers so close. You see them so much. Keep an eye out for your people. If you know someone is acting different, they're not okay. Check in on them. Not just new mamas, anyone. People go through things and they matter. You matter. I asked Melissa to share um, a list of symptoms that she was having. And she said intrusive thoughts, insomnia, fears in the middle of the night, something might happen, excessive worry, postpartum rage, not feeling like yourself. You know your body. You know what you felt like before. Anything that took joy away from Anything that takes joy away from being with your child. I am sharing this podcast so that you will, if you're a new mama, get help if you need help. If you work with a new mama or you work with someone who might be struggling with anything and you can tell recently they're acting different, step out, ask them if they need help, be a friend. Because everyone matters. All right. Welcome to episode 11. I am here with Melissa. And Melissa, how long have you been a teacher? I've been teaching now for eight years. Okay. Have you always been at the same school? Yes. Um, I started off in first grade for five years. And then most recently, I've been an ESOL teacher. Listen, (laughs) I think first grade teachers are saints. Because there's no way I could teach first graders. Okay, I feel that way about kindergarten teachers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, probably, but you're trying to teach them reading and writing, and that's a lot. Yeah, but I feel like they come to you from kindergarten, and they've already experienced school, so it does make it a little easier, and then... That's, I think, the part about, like, teaching them to read is what makes it so special because you, you see that the night and day difference from the beginning of the year to the end and all the progress because first grade is the year they have to make the biggest literacy jump. Oh, yeah. That's, it is a big jump. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're teaching them so much and still teaching them to tie their shoes and blow their nose <laughs> and put on their jackets, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's so many things. Um, okay, so I know a couple of years ago you got pregnant Mm -hmm. all right and so you have a baby at this point you had a son Mm -hmm. right how old is your son now he's almost two and a half he'll be two and a half in June 
Okay, and describe him for us. <laughs> Strong-willed. Um, he is this, adorable. Oh yes, adorable. he's this beautiful blue-eyed blonde hair babe, um, and he is such a mama's boy. He's so sweet. He loves to cuddle and um, say I love you, but then he's also very determined to have things his way, as are most toddlers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think they're always that way. <laughs> Um, All right, so I really wanted you to share your story about kind of what happened, who you were before you had your child, and then what happened kind of afterwards, because I think a lot of people can relate to your story, or maybe just need to hear your story so they feel like they're not alone. Yeah. Okay, so before your child, you were, how did you feel? Who were you? Describe yourself. Um, Well, I, you know, I've identified as a teacher for you know, eight years now. Um, I would say that I've always kind of had anxiety, depression, but I thought that at the before I had Harrison that things were a lot better. And I, at that point, I wasn't on any medication and I was just living my life, learning my new role as in, um, in the classroom. And I felt like, um, you know, I had things, a handle on things. So... Were you on medication when you got pregnant? No. Okay, so you just kind of handled it yourself. Mm-hmm. Did you do counseling or you just, how did you learn? Did you research? Like, I'm always curious. So I had done counseling when I was a teenager and then a little bit when I was in college, but after after college, I didn't at all. Um, so, I mean, I had some, you know, tools in my toolbox about right, how right, to help yeah. myself, but yeah, um, I had decided that it wasn't something that I wanted to do anymore, and I, you know, I had a lot of support from my husband, and so I felt, I felt okay. Yeah, that's good. I think the tools in the toolbox are, like, number one, right? I know as a teacher, like, that's number one. Any toolbox tool you have, you (laughs) use it. All right, so you had, you got pregnant. Oh my gosh, and, like, what were you feeling? Like, happy, sad? Um, a mix of emotions. My husband and I at that point have been trying for eight months. So at at that point I thought, well, maybe it's just not in the cards for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then probably, uh, you know, a month or two after I had gotten pregnant, um, I started to have, um, a little bit more anxiety creep in, um, because, um, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but I've had this, um, genetic, um, mutation with MTHFR where um, there's possibilities of spontaneous abortions is what they call them or in case a lot of people call them um, miscarriages Um, and it can just happen at any point in the pregnancy and so is that where your body like clots or it doesn't clot um yes I have a it's a clotting issue so there's a chance of stroke and there's also um chance of blood clots um so like you're already nervous about this in your everyday (laughs) life and then you are having a baby Correct. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So they actually sent me to a, um, a specialist, so a high-risk pregnancy doctor, just to make sure that everything along the way was going smoothly. And, you know, every time you go to a, a, one of those appointments, you hold your breath and you're, you're thinking, okay, is he going to give me some good news or what's he going to say? So. And what did they say? Um, so throughout the whole pregnancy, everything looked good. Okay. He kept measuring well, a great, strong heartbeat. So even though you hear all of those things, you still think that when um, 
you hear that at, at any point in your pregnancy, you can just lose the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of scares you. And I, and my mom actually has the same kind of mutation, and she lost um, a baby when the baby was five months along. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, like, how do you even process, you know? Like, that's a lot. Um, okay, so you go full term, or... Okay. Wow. <laughs> this is where it gets dicey. So, yes. So, I um, had all these grandiose plans of preparing his room. I had the, the the furniture and the decorations to get his room together, but I was um, about, we were about to go on Christmas break, and you know, we had about two and a half weeks, and so I thought, okay, this is great. Zach's going to be on break. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have plenty of time to get his room together, and it was the last day before we went out from school, um, I started to feel really bad. And I um, went up to our nurse and I had her take my blood pressure. And she told me, uh, your blood pressure's a little high. And she told me to lay down. So I laid down for an hour and I and came back and she checked it again. And she said, it's still really high. You need to call your doctor. And so, like, what's high? Like, give me some numbers. Do you um, remember? I don't remember specifically that day. Um, I think it was, oh, like, 160 over 100. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, that is high. That, yeah. Well, I mean, it got worse at yeah. some oh. point. Yeah. So, I called my doctor, and it was a Friday, and they, I guess on Fridays, they don't have as much staff there, so they said, you need to go to the hospital. And I went to the hospital, and they took my blood pressure, and I had to do a 24-hour urine catch. They were like, we know you want to go home today, but we're not going to let you. So they said, if everything looks good the next day, they'll send me home. And the nurses were really hopeful. Then we got my lab results back, and I had high protein in my urine. I had a high uric acid. I had high blood pressure, swelling. So I had all the signs of preeclampsia. Mm. That's scary. So how long were you in the hospital? So <laughs> so we got there on Friday. Um Saturday said we're having this baby. You're not oh, you're not leaving. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um and so they said we could either induce you, um, and there being a high risk of you having to have an emergency C section because of all, you know, the other medical uh, conditions that were going yeah. on, or we could schedule a C-section for the next day. And so Zach and I had to weigh the options and <laughs> think about what was best and safest for me and the babe. Um, and so we'd ultimately decided, you know, it's it would be too scary and too um, anxiety-inducing mm-hmm. to, to not know if I was going to have to go into some sort of emergency surgery. Right. So you went ahead and did the surgery? Yes. Okay, so I I mean, I've never had a child, but I know that from experience, from friends, like, that's a surgery, a major surgery. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to recover from that. Yes, and so, and also, I had... And have a newborn. Yeah, well, and I had preeclampsia, so when they, um, when I had him, after I delivered him, they put me on magnesium, which, if any one of you out there has ever had to be on that, it's like pouring a death of a thousand suns into your body (laughs) you feel so hot like you're in the desert and everybody else is freezing around you and I can't breathe and they put these compression um, cuffs on your legs that go off every 20 seconds and they want you to rest but you can't rest you can't rest you're in a hospital bed (laughs) Mm, okay so did you get to see Harrison at all yes so yeah he was with me the whole time that's good yeah um because I wanted to to nurse and Mm -hmm. so 
we um we stayed in the hospital from so we were there Friday and we were able to come home on Christmas Day so we were there oh, for good. Okay. six days <laughs> yeah well at least you got to come home with your new baby yeah that you weren't expecting to be there on Christmas yeah he's there <laughs> well he was a good Christmas present yeah <laughs> okay so how did was everything okay after that like did you recover um, well, no, because my blood pressure, well, they sent me home and then, um, a friend actually at school had given me a blood pressure cuff just to check my blood pressure throughout my pregnancy. And so I told the doctors I had that and they're like, okay, we'll just keep checking your blood mm-hmm. pressure. And my blood blood pressure just would not stop. And I don't know if it was because my anxiety or because the, like, maybe it was post eclampsia. Um, but there was at one point where my, um, what's it systolic what's that one the top one is called it's it was 183 over 112 my it was through the roof and I couldn't calm down so um like even if you laid down it wouldn't get better if I laid down it would get better but I I would have had to like stay (laughs) stay laying right and you not take care of your baby yeah exactly so I ended up going back to the hospital uh new year's eve and my mom actually stayed with me and Zach stayed home with the baby because at that time I had so much anxiety of him getting the flu because it was right. rampant. And it come to find out it was probably more of COVID mm-hmm. <laughs> and not really just the flu that people Which were Which would have been even more traumatic, right? Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I had to go back um, and they had to put me on magnesium again. And did that help? It did. But um, you just felt like you were dying inside. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, and then there was a nurse that was like a, um, she was a student nurse, and they were having her put the IV on me, and then it kept beeping at me that um, that there was air in the pipe. So here I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, th- yeah. this is going to kill me. Listen, it's so traumatic to be there anyways, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of these sounds and noises, and you don't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, please don't let me die here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So how long were you in the hospital then? It was only for two days. Okay. So that wasn't bad. Um, and then um, a couple of days later, I went back. <laughs> so I had just met my deductible, you know, before <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> well. And then they're like, okay, well, another hospital visit because it just still wouldn't go down. And eventually they just put me on. Uh, blood pressure, not, yeah, blood pressure medication, which is probably something in hindsight they should have done earlier. Right. <laughs> so how long did it take before everything was just normal again? Three months. Okay. Yeah. That's a long time, though. Yeah. Like, if you're trying to recover, take care of your baby, and make sure that you don't, like, die in the meantime, right? Well, like, there was a, a period of time where I, I thought you know, I'm not going to come home. I'm not going to be there for my son. I'm not going to watch him grow up because I just, I, I don't know if you have ever experienced high blood pressure, but it makes you feel so weird inside. And I just felt like something bad was going to happen to me with all this stuff going on. Well, and you have the anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so but, everyone's telling you to calm down, calm down. And you can't. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen those shirts uh, that say, keep calm? And then you're like, I can't, I have anxiety. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> I mean... And then you have this baby. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. All right. So then everything is normal, right? Well. At um, some point <laughs> after three months, everything has to become normal. Well, my blood pressure, yes. Okay, um, good. But at that point, I um, I really started to, and now I, I know what it is, but I, I thought 
for a while I was just having baby blues because they say like you know your hormones are all over Mm -hmm. the place and you just get sad and weepy and anxious and I thought for sure oh that'll calm down it's just because I just had this baby it's a new experience and then I started um, really having a lot of anxiety surrounding things happening to him so I would have really bad uh, like graphic visuals of like the way that he would die and I couldn't get these thoughts out of my mind. And I would just obsess. I couldn't sleep. I would just... Would it be because you watched it on TV and then you just, like, put him in that place? Not necessarily. It would just be, like, I, I we would be um, in the living room and um, he would be laying on his play uh, mat. And I would think about, oh, what if I tripped and I fell and I crushed him? Oh, my God. Things like that. I mean, it was just everyday things. I thought about the ways that he could get hurt, and it crushed me. I, I mean, I don't know how to process a lot of that. And so, you know, I feel like everyone thinks that being a new mom, you should be so overjoyed and happy and feel so lucky, which I did feel those things, but I also felt terrible. And I felt like it stole a lot of my um, time with him. I felt like it stole, stole my joy. Were you back at work at this time? So I was out with him until March, and I had to go back um, for maternity leave mid-March. And then (laughs) right the week before I was about to come back, the world shut down. Mm -hmm. So COVID started happening. And so that was just added another element to the ways that I thought something was going to happen to my son. I wouldn't let anyone come to our house. My parents, if they wanted to see him, they'd have to be outside of our window or down the driveway because I just didn't know. Like Nobody knew. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, and then this is the time you need your tribe, you need your village. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't have that because I was afraid to let anybody come in. You were stuck at home with Mm -hmm. a a newborn still. And you basically were not okay. I was not okay. Um, And then I also was going through some of like the depressive side too, Mm -hmm. where I would weep and cry a lot. And I um, even would have suicidal ideations of things happening to me. And I, this went on almost for two years. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Melissa. Are you serious? Yeah. So like for, um, so you were coming to work and still dealing with all of this. Yeah. I mean, it's like you have to, right. And you know, and I think a lot of it, the kids kind of were my saving grace. Mm -hmm. Like, so when we were actually able to come back to school, when you're at school, I mean, you, you're performing all day. Right. You, yes. you have to, you have to be, mm-hmm. you know, because there's no downtime. And so I think that kind of helped me separate from those thoughts. But, you know, when you get back in the car or mm-hmm. you go home and um, my dad was watching him at the time because I was too afraid to put him in daycare. Um, and then, I mean, occasionally throughout the day, I would think about like, well, what if something happened at my parents' house? But you know, I felt like that was a better option for me mentally than taking him to daycare at that point. Right. So. So you were teaching every day and coming in here just, like, trying to survive. Yeah. I, yeah. I, um, I remember very vividly, this was back in September of this school year. Um, I was sitting at my desk. I, I was to the point where if anyone just, like, touched me or said the wrong thing or the wrong word, I would probably just have exploded in tears. Um, and I came to work one day and, um, my partner in crime here, (laughs) she was sitting across from me and I just lost it. And I started crying and I just said, I'm not okay. I, I, I'm not like I, I had, I had postpartum rage, 
where Zach and I, I would yell at Zach for no reason and I didn't know how to control that. I and, and then I would feel so guilty, but a lot of it was manifesting from my anxiety. Um, and I put a lot of that on him. And thank goodness I have such an amazing partner because I honestly don't know if I would have made it out without him. But I was telling my coworker, you know, that I wasn't okay. And she, you know, urged me to get help. And that was, she kept checking in on me. You know, I, I kind of try to brush things off. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. But the thought of doing it also gave me anxiety. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. But just like the, the constant check-in and be like, did you make your appointment? Or did you, are you going to see anybody? Like not in a nagging way, just in a way that like she just cared about me mm-hmm. and just wanted me to get better. Um, it, it made a difference. And she's probably why I'm, you know, better today. Yeah. Okay. So what did, did you just go to the doctor? What do you, did you already have a doctor that you were seeing? No. So I, so you had to start fresh there. Well, kind of like I had been to a therapy group in the past, um, and they did all things. They did like the psychiatric services and also psychology. And so I, I saw a psychologist there. And so I went and I called them and I, at that time I was only going, I only wanted to do a virtual appointment and, um, because I didn't want to miss school. I didn't want to miss being here. Okay. I, you know, I didn't put my mental health before teaching. I just, I don't know, if, because there's something in me that I, I don't like to not be at work if I can help it. And um, I just feel like, I don't know, like I'll get looked at differently. Like, oh, she doesn't want to be here. I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. I think that's normal. <laughs> yeah. And so I um, called that place and um, they didn't have anything after, I don't know, it was like three o'clock and it's like well <laughs> um we get done at school at 255 and so I um it just wouldn't work for me so I um was like okay maybe I'll reach out to my insurance and get a list of like doctors I could go see maybe they have people that specialize in postpartum well they just gave me a list of uh probably over <laughs> well over 100 people in the area and it's not even like people that are right next door it's like people in Alpharetta or Marietta and those are far <laughs> and um not necessarily even ones that took virtual appointments. So I, um, I had called some places and they either told me, oh, we're not taking patients right now. We can't accommodate your schedule. And I just felt like every time that happened, a door went up and it was just another hurdle mm-hmm. or another hurdle to get over. And you see why people don't want to get help, right? Yeah. Because it's hard. Yeah. If you're trying to get help and you can't get help and you have the insurance and yeah, I mean, you wonder about people that don't have that or don't have somebody that will check in with them right Right. and I um it was so funny because my husband and I were actually on our way up to a wedding um and I was making phone calls because I was like all right I'm gonna do it I'm gonna try again I'm gonna try again and um I (laughs) I got a hold of these this one group and it sounded like they were gonna be able to help me so he actually pulled off in this rinky dink gas station and I was able to make this phone call. And the lady told me, she's like, you know, it's okay. We're here. We're going to help you. You're going to be okay. And I lost it <laughs> um, because she was like, actually they were able to accommodate my schedule. They had all the things I needed. Um, somebody that, you know, special, like that she could, uh, has dealt with women in the past that have had um, postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, so it was just like such a breakthrough moment. Like, oh, finally, after all of that stress of trying to find somebody, we did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's traumatic in itself. Yeah. All right. So you get help. Yes. And so that was, 
what month was that? October. October. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, this is really two years after yeah. so Harrison, your child was born. Yeah, I turned two in uh, December. So That's terrible that yeah. you live like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like there's so many people out there that do, and I think a lot of it is, well, one, I didn't want to be on anything because I was trying to nurse, and I thought, you know, you hear, oh, how important and healthy it is for the baby, so I put my body through that because I wanted him to have all of those benefits, and um, hindsight, I, I probably, because I was going through all that, maybe should have stopped before, but it was something that was important to me, so I felt... Like, the only medicine they wanted to put me on was a medicine that didn't work for me. And so I thought, what would be the point of being on it if I know it doesn't work? So, um, but yeah, I felt like I, you know, I feel like a lot of moms out there, they don't feel like they have the support that they they need after pregnancy. And not necessarily from, like, a family or friend standpoint, but from, like, mental health, like, postnatal care. You think about how many doctor's visits you go to at the beginning when you're pregnant, you know, right. all the measurements and them checking all of your vitals and all of these things. And then you cut, get out, you have the baby and you have one appointment, mm-hmm. one. And they send you home with this thing that you, yeah, you have to try to cope. Yeah. Right. Well, and keep it alive. Yeah. And they were like, they were like, Oh, well we can put you. Cause I told them, I was like, I'm feeling, you know, maybe some baby blues, things are just mm-hmm. happening. And they're like, Oh, well, we can put you on this medicine. And it was the medicine. I was like, mm. You know, I got it filled, and I never took it. So, all right. So, will you share kind of what did you're just at therapy, or what what helped you through this? Like, did you finally find a medication? Yeah. So, I first initially, I didn't want to just go to my general practitioner um, and have them just to prescribe me something, just to mm-hmm. to prescribe me something. I wanted to really work with somebody because I. At this point, I, I didn't want my marriage to suffer, and thankfully it didn't because my husband, he's so amazing. But um, I didn't want Harrison, you know, I didn't, I, I wanted to be a good mom, right. and I couldn't be the best version of myself without taking care of myself first. And so I um, I went to the psychiatrist, and she, um, we talked through a lot of options. I really liked her because she um, recommended some medications and then um, we talked about like pros and cons of them and like side effects and so we kind of narrowed it down to one and you know with any medication you know there's always a gamble it won't work and this one actually um, the first one we tried completely changed my life that's awesome yeah I mean sometimes that doesn't happen no but it worked for you yeah so I mean there's some people that go through tens of you know whatever uh amounts of medicine before they find the the right one and so so if someone is in um october melissa's shoes yes what would you tell them to do don't wait to get the help that you need that's my biggest regret is waiting and just like going through all that with with just like those feelings and those thoughts and just really robbing me of my my son's right like when childhood like his baby stage you know I, I I thought maybe I wasn't meant to be a mom for a while maybe I'm, I'm not a good mom maybe everybody else is doing it right and I'm not doing it right but it wasn't that I mean he's a happy healthy oh little my gosh, boy he's perfect <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about perfect he's but perfect. he's pretty <laughs> wonderful <laughs> I mean because people matter and they they need to remember that they matter 
you know, first and yeah. take care of yourself first. Right. And that's the thing that I, I, you know, as moms and as teachers, I feel like we're always thinking about other people <laughs> before we think about ourselves. So, I mean, that's just, I think that's natural. Like we're the, we're the helpers, we're the caretakers. And so I, I felt like if I did this, it means that something's wrong with me, that I'm not doing something right. Like I should be overjoyed and everything should be perfect, but it just wasn't. And, and it's okay that it wasn't. And it's okay that I felt that way. You know, I'm still a good mom. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think social media makes us think, you know, that mom's having the perfect, you know, child. Yeah. Her child's perfect, and yeah, she's the perfect mom. And right. Really, you don't know what's going on behind the camera. Yeah, and well, and initially, so. like thinking about social media, initially I followed a bunch of people because I I wanted to know all the things and do mm-hmm. all the things, and then I was like, I can't do all the things. <laughs> right. And so I um I had to start unfollowing people because for my mental health, mm-hmm. and um my. And my son has allergies, so I, you know, it's been really such a challenge to try to feed him. And I followed all these moms, and they're like, here's this gourmet meal. And I just felt like I couldn't keep up with that. And it made me feel like, you know, I wasn't doing something right. And so, and that also added another layer to my anxiety. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm sure. Like, I, I, not only did I, like, envision him, like, choking, but then I'm also like, this is my, you know, 15-month-old, and he's on... Or I think he, at the time, actually, he was eight, nine months old, and he had an EpiPen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I honestly don't think I could stab somebody in the leg with an EpiPen. Okay. The other day, I Especially thought I... not a giant. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I have practice on my leg. You know, we've done the trainings here, mm-hmm. and then his has, like, a kit. Um, and then I'm like, I just... I hope I never have to give it to him. I, I, and I hope, you know, that's never the case, but I also have to be prepared. Right. So... I just yeah. don't think I could do it, especially not to a child. Yeah. You know? Maybe to, like, Zach, like, when he's yeah. acting up. But... Yeah, just, like, stab him real quick. <laughs> but I, I just don't know how you could even... I feel like it's my child. And you have to make sure it's with you everywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, I cry when he gets vaccinations, so... I'm sure. <laughs> Stabbing him isn't, isn't my <laughs> ideal thing to do. And when he was a, a month old, we actually went into the emergency room, and I couldn't be in the room when they gave him an IV, so... <laughs> I know. He's tiny. He was so tiny. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have anything else you want to share? I know you're – I think we hit a lot, but I don't want to take it away from you. The floor is yours. Um, I just – you know, if there are moms out there listening that have gone through this, like, you're not alone. It feels so isolating, and, um, you know, there are times where you just want to give up and you just – don't feel great about yourself, but it's not you. It's, you know, there's things that are in you that, you know, can't be controlled. And I just don't wait. Don't wait to get help. (laughs) All right. I always end. I want to ask everybody what is like a tool or a tip. I have this teacher bag. I've said that a million times um, that I carry that holds all my junk and I cleaned it out. It's so beautiful and organized (laughs) now. I feel so proud. But what is something that you think um, people need to know about? Um, okay, so this is something weird. <laughs> and you might not have even picked it up, but I have this little, I guess it's kind of like a name badge. Um, what would you call that? Um, holder where uh-huh. um, you can clip it to your body. Oh, yeah. I. It's not that I use it for that purpose. I use it as a fidget. <laughs> so it like, um, it Here. pulls in and out. Yeah, it's like 
Yes. Yeah. Like, nurses wear them. Yeah. We wear, like, lanyards yeah. around and, our neck. And so I have a little hedgehog one attached to my, um, to my, my badge. And I, I, I'm sitting there, like, you might see me if I'm up there teaching. Kind of just kind of helps me calm down. Mm-hmm. But I don't use it in the way that a lot of our students use their fidgets. <laughs> like, like, throwing it. Yeah. It doesn't go across the room. And I'm not making a loud distraction with it. But I, um, it just kind of, I don't know. But it helps you kind of regulate yourself, maybe, <laughs> and you're not picking at your nails or yeah. anything. I like that. And I never really I, thought of me, myself as a fidget person, right. but um, I, you know, I'm the kind of person that, like shakes my legs when I'm sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It just kind of it's like a a mood stabilizer. <laughs> that I've never even <laughs> noticed you doing that yeah. before. So obviously, it's not. It's very discreet. But that could help people, especially like in meetings and. You know, if you're nervous in front of people, definitely. I feel like now you're going to watch me, like, when I'm up presenting. (laughs) But, like, is she pulling on her hedgehog? Yeah. Uh, That's a really good idea. And it's useful. You can always use it to clip your badge on. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's just going to be my (laughs) picture. Well, thank you, Melissa. Thank you for opening up and being willing to... I mean, this is very sensitive, I feel like, you know. But thank you for sharing that. and Thank you for having me. Of course.